gentlemen, hello. I'm Andrew Roberts, the Roger and Martha Mertz Visiting Fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford University, and I'd like to welcome you to my new podcast, Secrets of Statecraft. Ivan Duque has been President of Colombia since August 2018. In that time, he has fought the FARC guerrilla group and promoted entrepreneurship. One of his passions is history. And I think that comes out very strongly in this conversation. You're one of the world leaders who clearly loves history. Were you taught history well at school? Did you have inspirational history teachers? Well, uh, Andrew, first of all, it's a great honor for me to be in your podcast. And, and let me say that my, uh, maybe the most important teacher I ever had on history was, was my father. My father had an amazing library at home, more than 15,000 volumes. He loved history. He loved biographies. And since I was a little kid, he introduced me to um, to the reading of biographies. And we used to have some sort of, of talks at home where we discussed what we were reading. And my father was, was voracious in the way he read and the way he analyzed many topics. So it was great to hear from him, but at the same time to read and be able to discuss with him about many, many world affairs, historical affairs. And he had one of his, uh, of his best friends in life, was one of the most uh, distinguished historians in Colombia. His name was Abelardo Benavides. And uh, since I was a little kid, he invited me when he went to visit those friends. So I enjoyed those conversations. And I also had the privilege of meeting Eduardo Lemetre, who is one of the most recognized Colombian historians of all time. He passed away many years ago, but I was also exposed to those kinds of conversations. And maybe since then, I have been a voracious reader. And also, I have to say that I'm a voracious reader of Andrew Roberts' books. So I'm so <laughs> honored of being with you this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Not to mention myself in the same sentences as Winston Churchill, but you're also a great admirer of Winston Churchill, aren't you? Uh, I've I've known that for some time. What is it about him that you admire the most? His resilience, because uh, I think uh, that that famous phrase that we have seen in many posters, never give up, never give up, never give up. It's it's maybe the summary of of his life. He was a, a continuous fighter. He fought for his convictions, for his values, for his objectives. He was sometimes perceived as a stubborn, but you have to be sometimes stubborn to let people acknowledge what you really want to to express in order to defend a value so i i admire his resilience he was he was a leader who embraced many many crises and as he said many times you know you have to always take advantage of a single crisis because he was a person who every single time he faced adversity he was able to turn that adversity into an opportunity so i admire that from him the other thing that i admire from him is that he was he was a, a a voracious writer he loved to write he he had this idea of of recording everything that happened in his public life and i think that was so important and the third thing that i liked about him is that he always knew the 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 way the way he he saw his role in the world and the way he captured world events from historical moments to the time he was facing and that's why his book the the, the about the history of the of the english speaking people it's, it's such an amazing text the volumes that were, where he recorded that that i also admire that for him and last but not least i i admire his humor and his wit 
They, he had this, this, this great capacity to, to respond to sudden attacks with such a great humor and talent. So for me, he's one of the, of the favorite characters in history. And does, uh, does your, with regard to what you were saying about his, uh, his, his sense of the past, does your sense uh, of the past and the future affect you in your decision-making when you're taking important political decisions for your country? Do you feel the weight of history on your shoulders? Indeed. And, and I think there was a, a great book that I read maybe some 10 years ago that was written by, by Margaret Macmillan, where Margaret Macmillan talked about the use of history in decision-making. So I think it's always very important to look at the moments we face on the present, but always to try to see the similarities with the past, to evaluate what was done in the past. So for example, and I should make this reflection when we read about what's going on in ukraine i think it's always very interesting to read what happened uh, before the world war ii or what happened before world war one or what happened during the stalin times with ukraine what had what happened with ukraine once the soviet union came to an end so it's always good to have those those, those historical recordings to have an analysis because at the end History sometimes repeats itself, but sometimes it repeats differently. But maybe the causes and the solutions that, that we have seen sometimes in the past have to be also conceived for the present times. So having that historical context is, for me, always a priority. And um, when I try to, to figure out the crisis that I have faced as a president, I always try to look back to similar situations in the past in my country's history to identify what was taking into account in the decision-making process. So yes, history for me is something that I, that I see it as something that I love, but I also see history as a very important tool in the, in the current decision-making process. And with regard to your own country, of course, Simon Bolivar is the father of your country. Do you think he still has lessons to teach you and Colombians uh, today and, and the wider world? And if so, what, what are those lessons? Well, that, that's a great question, Andrew, because I think Bolivar is the, the greatest uh, American of all time. Uh, he was he was not only a, a great uh, military commander, but he was a true humanist. He he was a voracious reader. He loved to write. His uh, his letters uh, are impressive, but also the messages he shared with his troops, and also the way he thought about the the design and the implementation of our new republic. His speech before the Angostura Congress in 1819, his, uh, his contribution to the first constitution in 1821, but also the messages he shared to the Peruvian people, the people in the northern part of Peru later, that later became Bolivia, his messages about having a, a continental congress inviting also President Monroe. So he was a visionary and, and he was, he was a fighter. He was a humble man. I mean, although he faced many difficulties in his life, he remained humble in some circumstances, but he was also tough in others. But I think the, the greatest lesson that we can take from Bolivar is that Bolivar was a true believer in the values of security, liberty, equality, but something that, that I think resembles also his defense of private initiative. He was a defender of property. And he had this idea of, of building uh, a republic that will be based on, on that 
property idea for everyone, maybe in according in a, uh, accordingly with the pursuit of happiness that was presented years before by the founding fathers of the United States. He also believed that that property and allowing people to become an owner could be something that would that would close social gaps. And he was he was a commander that was always teaching by example. He was always in the forefront in 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 the battles. And and he was a man that, despite all the privileges that he had in his life, he was humble enough to move with his troops. For example, when the Pisma Paramo was crossed, he was in the front line. He was suffering the same cold that, that was hitting his soldiers. And he was the man who, who spent time with them, who got close to their hearts and minds. So I, I believe that his leadership has to be well recognized. And I told you something that is very important because I have to say this in this interview. I, I dreamed that Andrew Roberts one day will, will write about Simon Bolivar because there was, <laughs> there was a, a member of the, of the British Legion who supported Bolivar uh, for more than 13 years. His name was Daniel Florence O'Leary. And when Bolivar passed away, he recovered all his letters. And all we know about Bolivar was because of Daniel Florence of O'Leary discipline to gather all he wrote, all he said, and, and made this abundant uh, 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 literature about his contribution to, to liberty and the inauguration of the Republic. And there were lots of dangerous moments in that career, weren't there, in, in Bolivar's career. In your view, what was it about his personality that saw him through uh, through those dangerous moments, what what do you call the most dangerous moment, and what was it about him that saw him through? He used to call himself the man of difficulties. This <laughs> this was this was yeah. uh, 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 he, when he was born. He lost his father when he was uh, three years old. He lost his mother when he was nine. He was raised by an uncle, and you know he he was basically a self made man. Although yeah, he came from a wealthy family. But, but the way he trained himself, the way he, he saw himself, and uh, when, when he decided to move on on the independence cause after the death of his first wife or his wife, Maria Teresa del Toro, and he went to, to France and to Spain to you know, let his sentiments flow and try to, to regain confidence in himself. And when he takes the decision of going back and fighting for liberty, he had that, that tremendous endurance. And later on, he lost his brother who was his, maybe his, his closest member of the family. So he faced many, many difficulties. But maybe as Churchill did, he, out of every difficulty, he came out with, with more strength, with more power, and also with the capacity to, to see beyond the evident. That I, I think that was his, his most important quali quality. And, and I should say this, Bolivar was the man who conceived, although he had all the powers, and, and he could have taken all the powers for a long time. He decided to create a republic based on the three division of power and based also on the premise that the presidential power should have a, a lasting period and to have a succession process that would allow the republic to evolve. So I see him as one of the greatest republicans of all time. He's obviously had a tremendous effect on, on your career. You've had tremendous difficulties that you've had to face in your times. Have there been any times in your, your life, your career, when you've looked at the painting of Bolivar in your office and thought to yourself, what would he have done? Well, something that moments that I have, that I have lived and, and that I learned from, from Bolivar is always 
being close to the troops, that you have to guide the troops, but you have to inspire the, the, the troops, but at the same time, you have to, to get close to their hearts and minds. So during many moments of difficulty in the fights against terrorism, and when we have had very complex circumstances of, of uh, public order, in those moments, I think Bolivar uh, expressions made an influence on me because when I regularly travel to another city in Colombia, I sleep in the battalions. I wake up early and I say hi to the troops. I shake their hands. I get, I get the possibility to, to dialogue with many of them, of the soldiers. And also in moments of crisis, I've tried to be close to them and orient them under the premise that this is a democracy and that we have to defend the values and human rights, but also being close to them. So that's maybe one. Another one that I, that I would mention as, a, as an influence is even in the harder times, you have to be able to, to let your soul get, uh, get a new momentum. And Bolivar had many setbacks in his political career. He had setbacks of legislative order. He had setbacks on military order. But once a setback came, he rode and he got to, to push his spirit up again. And that's when I feel how we embrace the pandemic, Andrew, and how Colombia today has one of the fastest growing economies in the world after the pandemic and how we have reached record highs in vaccination levels, even above developed countries. And when we looked about the recovery of employment levels, and when we think about the energy transition that we did in the midst of the pandemic and the sales of, of uh, low-income housing, I think that spirit of being able to fight back and, and be able to, to keep on moving on your ideals and objectives is something that I certainly feel Bolivar's influence. And I should say this, that I'm going to leave the presidency in August and uh, with all due humbleness, by, 18, by, by 2030, when it will be 20, 200 years of Bolivar's um, passed away, I want to publish a biography on those 200 years. I'm going to start working on that. And it'll take me eight years to try to, to do something that is rigorous enough to get into that piece of his decision-making process and get more on the historical figure, on the human being that call himself the man of difficulties. Wow, that's extraordinary. You're going to, uh, after you retire, you're going to write uh, a history book. That's fabulous. I, <laughs> congratulations. There are very few world leaders who do that. And, uh, and so it's, uh, it's splendid that you're going to. How important do you think is a sense of the past in politics? There are some people who say that politicians only should look to the future because uh, the past, everything's changed so much in, in history that the past doesn't provide a real guide. One of my favorite characters in history has been uh, Nicolás Machiavelli. And uh, Niccolo Machiavelli sometimes has been uh, demonized as, uh, as the incarnation of evil, but he was a true Republican. And, uh, and he wrote many interesting books. And I think Beyond the Prince, that is the one that everybody talks about regularly in politics, I think his, his, uh, his discourses on the decades of Libby was in my opinion, one of the greatest books of the Florence uh, Renaissance. And what I got from reading Machiavelli uh, is that you cannot really be a statesman if you don't have a conscience of the past. 
And if you don't have the value of history, and if you don't understand what happened in history, because what we are is a byproduct of the past, and it's a byproduct of historical moments. So history, in my opinion, is not only a tool, but I think it's maybe the most important tool. Because in order to understand the circumstances of today, we have to know what happened in the past. Not to not to reply what happened in the past, not, not, not to replicate what happened in the past, but be able to understand what the causes and effects of certain circumstances were. So history, in my opinion, it's it's uh it's something that I have to keep close. When I when I was studying uh, public administration some years ago in Georgetown, I remember that I I had a a book that was called Thinking in Time. And what was interesting about that book is about government decision making based on the analysis of historical moments. So for example, what happened in the missile crisis in the early 60s? Can, can we bring lessons from that to the situations we face today between the United States and Russia? Certainly, certainly. It's different. Circumstances might be different, but the essence can be of a very important use. When we think about what happened in the, when, when the Soviet invasion to Czechoslovakia, can we take lessons from that and understand the moments we live? Can we take lessons from Vietnam? In the way, in the way that, that we, we see the current circumstances in Ukraine. Can we take lessons from what happened in Afghanistan? Definitely. Can we take lessons of what happened in Iraq? So I think those elements of history are so important and pivotal that if, if you ask me, what would be the number one class that, in my opinion, anyone, any, any person who wants to become a public servant should take? Definitely is history. And before I before I run for the presidency, I used to teach his, his his political history of civilizations, and I, sometimes I was I was I was actually struck because maybe some of the new generations they don't they don't have such a a, a good uh, knowledge about history, and sometimes I think that the the idea of uh, privileging mathematics and science and English and languages, or or even media and and uh, and uh, programming, has left history behind, and I think that is a flaw that we have sometimes in the education system. So we definitely have to bring back this and and make history a very important tool and the most important. A element of reflection. I'm so pleased you said that. That one of the reasons, actually, this podcast is called Secrets of Statecraft is because of Winston Churchill, who told a young American um, who was asking for some life advice. Uh, he said, "Study history, study history, for therein lies all the secrets of statecraft." And so it's wonderful to hear a worldly le- leader like you uh, expounding the importance of history. Um, and what do you think future historians will say about you and about your career in a hundred years' time? And um, and do you mind? Do you care what the verdict of history is uh, long after you're dead? It's a it's an interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I suspect from what you've already said, I know the answer to uh, to that. But do expound a bit. But it's a, it's it's a great question, Andrew. It's a great question, and 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 uh, and I don't mean to to uh, to 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 flatter you, but I have to say that something that I admire from your books is that 
you have written with rigorosity. On your latest book on Churchill, and I think that's that's the great contribution, is that you go to the source, you go to the speeches, you go to the parliament proposals. So the first thing that I that I want to leave as uh, as part of the legacy is to have a well documented government. Because if you don't have a well-documented government, then the way that history will judge your government will be determined maybe by the biases of those who will write history later on. So I think having a clear documentation of all that we achieved is very important. And that's that's why I have so many notebooks handwritten and uh, and decisions that I've made that are all documented. I'm actually building a a set of books uh, for personal use of the day-to-day, every single day of my administration, what happened. So that's that's issue number one, having a well-documented government. And then when, when I think history will judge what we did, I think there are five elements that will be always in 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 the conscience of those who will evaluate what happened between 2018 and 2022 in Colombia. The number one is what we did with the migrants. For the first time in Latin American history, dealing with the most complex migration crisis, instead of letting xenophobic sentiments arise, we decided to create a temporary protection status to 1.8 million migrants, something that is the biggest maybe peace gesture in Latin American recent history. The second element is that the government that made the biggest social expenditure in Colombian history is our government. And we did it to face the pandemic, but also to pull the economy back from the, from the resentment that the pandemic left. So growing 10.6%, the highest economic growth registered by, by now in historical terms is something that has a value but also expanding the social safety net in a way. And that takes me to the third element, to leave free public higher education for the lowest income families and the emerging middle class is also a major contribution. And the way that we have dealt with climate change, that's the fourth element. We, we launched the first bill on climate action that was approved unanimously and that goes hand in hand with the energy transition that goes hand in hand with the protection of oceans having 30 percent of the colombian land declared a protected area is also something that history will record and the fifth element andrew that i that i feel very proud is that we have been the government that has made the largest investment in infrastructure ever and we're leaving the most important infrastructure project in Colombia's history, which is the cross of the central, the central mountain corridor that for 100 years was the dream of many presidents. And we were able to, to give it to the Colombian people. So those five elements, I could mention some more, but those five elements, in my opinion, should be judged. And, and maybe I'll finish with this. I have been the youngest president in Colombia elected. And I have dealt with the most complicated crisis in Colombian history that was the COVID-19 crisis. And I think when people will evaluate how the youngest president was able to navigate that storm and pull the economy back again and be able to vaccinate the whole country, that is, in my opinion, something that I I would love history to, to record and evaluate about myself. 
Well, I, I hope in a hundred years' time, people will listen to this podcast and will uh, and will listen to what you've uh, said and be and be suitably uh, uh, affected and uh, and impressed. Tell me, this is a question, last question, and the one that I ask all of my uh, uh, guests: What history book or biography are you reading at the moment? No, i i have a I have a, a good set of books in my in my in my desk at this moment. So on history. I'm actually reading a, a book uh, that was written by by a former colleague of mine in in the Senate who passed away, and he lived his memoirs. So his uh, that's like a Colombian history book that I that I have um, that I have closed. And name? I am rereading. I am rereading a book that, that that was written by Maurizio Viroli on on Machiavelli. It is called Machiavelli's God. So I have also that on my desk, but I have, but I have Sorry, a, who is the, a book who is that I haven't senator? started yet about the, the the Watergate the Watergate scandal that just came out. I brought it from Washington uh, two weeks ago from, from uh, two weeks ago, and uh, and the other book that I that I have uh, in my in my uh, backpack is a book about uh, it's called the Nature of Nature. It's written by Enrique Sala who's an explorer in residence of National Geographic. So he talks about uh, biology and how we should embrace the climate action uh, crisis involving the protection of biodiversity. So those are the books that I have now in my, in my bookshelf. <laughs> they very much count. What, what's the name of the senator who you... Uh, Horacio Serpa. Horacio Serpa. So he, yeah. he published a book that is called The Country That I Lived. And then I think it's a it's an interesting contribution because he was he was uh, present at the moment, uh, so it's a it's a it's a good history book, uh, and I have uh, George George uh, George the Third book that that I I got uh, uh, some uh, some months ago. So I'm trying to interconnect that book with the other readings that I have. So well, I should say, Andrew, that this is the my slowest reading of Andrew Roberts because of my of my uh, daily uh, work. But I have to say that I'm enjoying it a lot. That, that question was not intended as an advert, but thank you very much indeed. Uh, President Ivan Duque of uh, Colombia, thank you very much indeed for coming on Secrets of Statecraft. Thank you so much, Andrew. It has been a, a great honor. And, uh, and I have to say this live, that you're invited to, to come to Colombia. We want you to, to be here. And, uh, and I want you to, to get you interested on Simón Bolívar, because I know you're going to love the character. Fantastic. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. President. Thank you for listening to my conversation with President Duque of Colombia. In my next conversation, I'll be speaking to Peter Robinson, Ronald Reagan's speechwriter and the man who wrote these famous words. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Until then, goodbye. This podcast is a production of the Hoover Institution, where we advance ideas that define a free society and improve the human condition. For more information about our work or to listen to more of our podcasts or watch our videos, please visit hoover.org.
Until then, goodbye. <laughs>